Episode 5 of Frank and Review. Yes, this week we're going to be talking about horror comedies. My friend Kevin Stiller and I are going to look at six really good movies on this subject. Horror comedies is a nice opportunity to laugh at what typically scares us. Have a laugh at ghosts, have a laugh at murderers, have a laugh at death itself. So, uh, there may be some soft spoilers to be found within this episode and some coarse language, but... You know, we're all grown-ups here. Most of the movies are rated R, so so is our conversation about them. Sit back, relax, and please enjoy episode 5 of Rank and Review. This would be the fifth episode of Rank and Review, and I'm sitting in the, uh, in the apartment of Kevin Stiller. Kevin and I have known each other for, like... Oh my goodness. It's been a long time. 15 years back, and change, yeah. probably yeah. something like college that. college days, yeah. I remember seeing you in a production of The Duchess of Malfi. Oh dear, yeah. And yeah. you were stabbed on stage. I got stabbed good, too. And you, I remember watching that play and thinking, I fucking believe that you got stabbed. I was, I was cool. You made a believer out of me. And that's why we then lived together for uh, about a year and a half or so. Yes. Well, maybe not why, but we did end up... Uh, it was yeah, certainly a contributing factor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you got to take your pick of... You were one of the first people to select a group of movies. Yeah. You got to take your pick out of all of this list of almost 100 selections, and you chose horror comedy. I I honed right in on that one. There was really no second thought. There was no browsing. I saw that, and I just thought, yeah, it's 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 really one of my favorite genres of movie. Right. But you're not particularly against horror movies necessarily. Oh right? no, no, I like horror, horror, I like as well. Yeah, yeah. But, but the horror comedy, you get you basically get, if it's done well, you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and really, uh, comedy and tragedy are are so close together. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like. Uh, no, I, I understand it. There's actually quite a few different categories that we're going to be discussing on this subject because the two genres mix so well. There's like uh, the wink-wink categories, which are more about movies that sort of 
take advantage of the fact that they know you've watched a lot of horror movies. Mm-hmm. These ones, uh, with the exception of Shaun of the Dead, uh, these ones don't necessarily wink at you a lot. These uh, are straight-up comedies set in real, real horror environments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, so maybe we should talk. What are the six movies? you got them in your hand. Okay. List them off for our listeners here. Okay, first of all is The Frighteners, Peter Jackson's The Frighteners, one of his early films, one of the earlier films. Yeah, the big bomb that he laid right before uh, he did The Lord of the Rings. Is this actually. just before Lord of the Rings? Okay. I believe so. Oh, wow. So. And did it bomb? I mean, I could imagine it not finding an audience. But, yeah, uh, it's a tricky it's a tricky picture, but uh, yeah. it did not do as well as people had hoped. Maybe okay. bomb is overstated. Yeah, well, <laughs> it didn't blossom. Uh, Zombieland? Yes, that would be the most recent of the selections. It's a very new movie, yeah. Um, uh, 2009. 2009, good times. Yeah, um, originally going was going to be a TV show, then they made it into a movie, and now, rumor has it, it's going to be a TV show again. Interesting. So. <laughs> Interesting. Ah, of course, Ghostbusters. Classic 1984 Ghostbusters. I I feel young every time I think of the Ghostbusters. (laughs) I remember being in in school and drawing pictures of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow. (laughs) This, yeah, this was really, this was a cultural phenomenon, really. It really really was. was. (laughs) If you grew up in the 80s, you know what Ghostbusters is. And if you don't like the Ghostbusters and you grew up in the 80s, you lie to people and tell them (laughs) that you do. (laughs) So... Uh, and here we are. This is more of a... Uh, is it, I guess it's a cult classic, yeah. Army of Darkness. I mean, just... This is a movie for people who love horror movies. Yeah, and really. last actually last episode, Terry Schroll and I discussed Evil Dead. Army of Darkness, which was originally going to be called uh, Medieval Dead, <laughs> is technically Evil Dead 3. Oh, okay. okay. So. Cool. Uh, and then a British film. A couple of British films coming in at the end here. Uh, Severance. Um, Christopher Smith. Do you yeah. know much about him? Yeah, actually, Jeremy and I reviewed one of his movies in the very first episode. Um, he directed Black Death, <laughs> which uh, I think Jeremy liked a little bit more than me on account of him having a big crush on Sean Bean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he directed a movie called Creep with Frankie Potenta being chased around the London Underground by a monster. It's called Creep. Yeah, and there's another one, Triangle, on the... Uh, Bermuda Triangle, and uh, I like him. He's one of my sort of keep an eye on genre directors. Cool. So, um, yeah, he's worth a look. Cool. And uh, the final entry here, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. One of those movies that I feel like the universe sort of coalesced to produce something solely to please me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was a fun one. Yeah. Well, let's so just, that's uh, the that's the last selection of movies that we're going to talk about, um, all all told. And uh, what else can we tell these same people about Kevin Stiller? Uh, you know what? It's not about. Me. <laughs> it's not about. It's you. not about. It's me. not about you. But I, I love movies. It's. Tr- I'll, I'll say that I've pro- I've 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 probably seen more movies twice than a lot of people have seen movies once. Wow! I just. I mean, just, just, just my background, well, first of all, having a friend like you, who just <laughs> absorbs movies into his life. Uh, I've worked at a video store, um, and just, I seek them out. And strange movies, and, and mainstream movies, so I just have a huge I was thinking about library. it, too, Kevin. In all the years that we've li- we lived together, we worked together, we did some acting together, have we ever been on stage together in a production? We did episode 26. There I stand go. to correct it. did we share stage time in that? Yeah. Not much. That's weird. I've directed you and stuff. That's right, yes. But we've, we've spent very little uh, stage time together. This is wrong. 
Well, that's not interesting to ask the new other people, but uh, how about we start talking about these movies? Okay. All right, hang on. There has been a destructive force unleashed on this town such as I have never seen. Oh my god, I don't believe this is not happening! We have got a poltergeist! Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but it's not gonna be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee. That fellow takes us totally for granted. Hey, Stuart, interact, huh? Frank Bannister had a remarkable ability. Psychic investigator? To communicate with the dead. If you could see spirits? Emanations are normally confined at the cemetery. You cannot push spirits around! Although they do escape. And an uncanny knack. We're gonna scare the living daylights out of your parents. For making a profit off the living. We're supposed to be his business partners. Everyone says that you're a fraud, but I've seen what you can do. Give it up, Frank. Death ain't no way to make a living. Okay. okay. So <laughs> we said okay together. Gucci. <laughs> uh, you wanted to watch the, or you wanted to review the movies in the order that you watched them. Yeah, yeah. And I happened to know the first movie you watched because I uh, watched it with you. Watched it together, yeah, yeah. Peter Jackson's The Frighteners. Yeah, yeah. You want to pump the plot a little bit for us? Uh, this is a story of a, um, what would you call him? He's a... He's, he's, well, he's a con man. Basically, he's got some ghost friends that uh, that go and uh, he sicks them on people to haunt them, and then he goes and exercises them. Yeah, he's a con man, but he has legitimate uh, powers. Yes, he's, yes. Uh, Michael J. Fox plays Frank Bannister, who, uh, after a, a car accident, uh, finds he is able to see dead people, but not in the spooky sixth sense way, much more in a Disney cartoonish mm-hmm. way. But you're right, con man is the right word to use, because he's befriended some of these ghosts, they go into people's houses, make it look like they're haunted, then he shows up and rids them of the problem. So, yeah. uh, Because he's played by Michael J. Fox, he's a very charming uh, con artist that we, uh, we are cheering for for some reason, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think con artist is the right <laughs> word. Yeah. And... Uh... Then, of course, uh, this being a horror movie, uh, he does, in fact, confront true evil. Um, and, yeah, some really great evil in this movie, too. I mean, we're still doing the plot summary, but, uh, but yeah, I was really impressed. With Creature the, the uh, that looks like death itself, where it may well be death itself, is uh, attacking his small town. Well, like most Peter Jackson movies, this was shot in New Zealand, uh, but uh, it's a very picturesque, idyllic little town that mm-hmm. uh, the special effects descend upon. Robert Zemeckis was a producer on this movie. They threw a lot of money mm-hmm. in it. Um, and as dazzling as some of the special effects are, I think for me what uh, I really, really like is the presence of two genre people <sighs> in the movie. There's Jeffrey Combs, mm-hmm. who plays an absolutely insane FBI agent who mm-hmm. spent a little bit too much time studying cults and <laughs> being yeah. tormented by them. And then there's D. Wallace, the oft-talked-about D. Wallace in this podcast, who uh, has a really, really great supporting role in the film that we'll get into a little more into the into the meat of the review. Mm-hmm. So at this time of when it came out, this was like the mid to late 90s, I think, um, Peter Jackson had a, a cult name for himself, mm-hmm. but this was him trying to break into Hollywood. I believe this came out the summer of, like... Uh, a twister and Independence Day, and uh, it got kind of elbowed out by all of those other bigger blockbuster hits. 
but uh, I think there's a lot of fun to be had in this. I think so too, and I think uh, I think one of the reasons this movie um, didn't find its audience well, one it it is a genuinely scary movie, like it is genuinely disturbing. I I felt some of the scenes in this movie were just incredibly intense, just incredibly intense and and disturbing. But at the same time, um, there's a zaniness to it. Um, I'd say that Zane kind of it, it, the, the tone in this movie is inconsistent. Um, it's it's almost like a Disney Sunday night movie in a lot of respects. The aesthetic of, of a lot of it, the wackiness of some of the characters, or the extremeness of some of the characters, and oh my goodness, the score! Yeah, oh, that score real. This movie really loses points for that score. It's got frantic strings and, and stuff like that. Just just. And I, sometimes at bad times too, like that scene <laughs> in the graveyard where there's just this overwhelming music there. But but, but for the the one weakness of the movie, I'd say, is is the inconsistency of tone. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand completely what you're saying, and it does possess that Peter Jackson craziness, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's sort of packaged as a Disney film. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I'm going to be talking with Rick Rochon soon about uh, WTF movies, what the fuck movies. <laughs> this movie almost qualifies as that because, uh, yeah. It has all the appearances of a fun, wacky family Disney comedy, but it is also way too scary and way too dark yeah. for the kids. <laughs> so on one hand, you've got like the, the too silly to be taken seriously, and then you've got the, the, the too serious to really uh, laugh at. Well, Now, I would say this was a big like work, knock against the film. But when I watched this movie, I was just, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing so much of the time that I was wall-to-wall entertained by it. Um, but it's hard looking at that movie wondering, what is the audience for this film? <laughs> too scary for kids, but probably too stupid for most adults, right? Yeah, I th- yeah, that's... Um... No, it's on Reddit. Uh, but uh, let's, let's talk about... Um... Well, is it too early to talk about Jeffrey Combs? No, not at all. Um, Jeffrey He's, Combs. <laughs> yeah, and and he he. What's great about him is he embodies both. Like I guess I guess this is a good segue because. He's scary and zany at the same time. Yeah. He's he just comes into this movie and takes it. He yeah. just <laughs> takes it. He's just such a an over the top character without. And I don't know, maybe people disagree, but I don't think he's unrealistic. I mean, within his universe, you're not thinking, hey, that's a hammy actor. Yeah. You're thinking, this character is crazy. He certainly plays it big, but the whole movie, like you mm-hmm. say, it, this is one of those movies that grabs you by the throat and drags you through <laughs> it, you know? And some of the characters are in the cartoon world, and some people would argue that Jeffrey Combs is that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Jeffrey Combs has made a career out of playing weirdos. Oh, Ever yeah. since starring in the the original Reanimator, he's sort of been the go-to name to get in low-budget horror movies. If you want a mad scientist or a quirky supporting character, you know, there's your Jeffrey Combs. But yeah, his character <laughs> has spent his entire life studying cults and you know supernatural uh, phenomenon. And uh, instead of you know ending up as the you know hunky David Duchovny X Files guy. <laughs> He is this completely ruined shell of a person, <laughs> and uh, he's got this weird little Hitler haircut, and uh, he seems sort of timid and shaky, but if you press his buttons, he will pull an Uzi on you. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I would say that it was a, a, an unreal performance, but he fit just snugly into this into this movie. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you talk about some of the over the top moments. Uh, Michael J. Fox's ghostly companions that he has. Mm-hmm. One of them is a cowboy. Um, oh, I can't remember. Is it John Aston? Is the name of the actor I believe who plays the the, the cowboy? But uh, oh yeah, yeah. There's a scene where they're in a museum, and it's an action oh. sequence. The police are trying to uh, uh, catch. Michael J. Fox, because they think he's responsible for the wave of death that's happening in the community, and the ghosts are trying to buy him some time, and, you know, they're manipulating things to scare people and cause panic. And in the midst of all of this action, the ghost cowboy stops to have sex with a mummy. <laughs> this is the kind of movie that you're watching when you're watching yeah, well, The Brighteners. This, like. is, this is the man who created Meet the Feebles, and, uh, Brains... Scan Brain Dead. Brain Dead. Brain yeah. Dead. What was it? What's the original title for that one? Or is Dead Alive? Dead uh, Alive. Brain Dead is, I think, the original title okay. of it. We have it as Dead Alive in this side of the world. Yeah. But uh, no, Peter Jackson has made crazed, unhinged movies, and I love them. And even he can make it work seriously, like with Heavenly Creatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's telling a really sane story in a really crazy way. Um, and I think his tone works for this movie. Like, it sounds like I'm being hard on this movie, but I can't tell you a movie like it. This movie is completely bonkers in, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it probably is part of that zaniness. I mean, the whole comedy horror genre that draws you in as yeah. well. As well. It's, um, it's uh, funny. It, it's intense. It's a very intense movie. Um, not just because of the horror scene, but probably because of just the... Everything's ramped up a little in this movie, yeah. so uh, I, and and I have to say, like this this movie, I did find genuinely disturbing, <laughs> and part of it might just be just the whole tone of the movie being just a little notch a notch and a half above other movies. It, it's way thing. darker than you'd expect a movie like mm-hmm. this to be. Uh, I think maybe we should move into the third act of the movie, too, because I want to talk about the uh, the, the climax of the film. Um, so we're going to get a little bit into spoiler territory, okay. but that's okay. Um, we find out through the course of the film that uh, there is an evil spirit indeed at work, but it's not death itself. It's the reincarnation of a, a spree killer. And Dee Wallace, who I mentioned before, uh, at the time when the spree killer did his crimes, was an accomplice to him. And she's sort of the wild card in the movie. We're not sure if she's good or if she's bad. No. Dee Wallace has spent her entire career basically playing supporting roles in fantasy and horror movies, and usually she's a very motherly, sweet, matronly... You know, she was she was Elliot's mom That's in E.T., right. right? In this movie, in the third act, when the worm turns and she makes her choice to side with the evil spirit... She goes completely, completely crazy, and I loved seeing it. I, I like to imagine she had a ball running around with that shotgun <laughs> with the flashlight taped on it, and just, there was, there was nothing sweet or cuddly or kind about her at the end of the movie, you know? She wanted to be with her, with her boyfriend. She'd waited 30 years, yeah. and she's still hot for him, even, even as a ghost, and even as played by Jake Busey. <laughs> yes, and those, they both work together. He's, he's, he uses those Busey eyes, the, those, 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 that stony Busey gaze, just, uh, just cold. And, and they both play the part with a, this is gleeful evil. This <laughs> yeah. is glee. This is Enthusiasm. Glee. Exactly. Yes. They are loving every moment of this. And and the climax of the movie is, is great. I got dr- the last twenty minutes twenty minutes of the movie, I I you know, I couldn't look I was completely enthralled by the movie. I, I really love what it builds to. Yeah. 
So, yeah, it's really funny and it's really scary. So if there's a real problem with it, I would say that the the type of broad humor they're going for and the type of sheer thrills mm -hmm. maybe don't mesh as well as, as they would have imagined. But uh, what they ended up with was uh, maybe not a movie for everyone, but that a movie for me personally, I thought was just, yeah. <laughs> just a great time. I really like this one, too. Planet Earth. Home to over six billion people. Today, our very existence is threatened by epidemics, climate change, and dwindling resources. But those are the least of our problems. Welcome to Zombieland. Yeah, that was it for Rowan. Okay. Uh, next on the list is Zombieland. Uh, this movie I saw in the theaters and and loved it. Uh, it's uh, and it's a great movie to see in the theaters because it's just uh, color and action and style and flair and all that's good. Yeah. Movie, movie. I'm going to be saying mostly positive things about this movie, Zombieland, the in its entirety. But the first five to ten minutes of the movie. The opening sequence and that credit sequence is really something special to behold. There's <laughs> like a lot of 3D zombie death being dealt, and it, it still feels light and fun, as well as being horrendously violent. It's a real hard balance to find, and they somehow found it right out of the gate. Exactly. That's that's in fact in some ways that made the movie harder for me to review and analyze uh, critically. Is that the first? The op again, the opening credits and, and the introductory scenes, just bam, right out of the gate. You're just you're just completely enthralled, and they're they're genius. The opening credit sequence is is funnier than than some full movies. It's true. It's just you got brilliant. your money's worth uh, yeah. right away. It reminded me actually of when obviously I was a, I was a big Lord of the Rings fan. We just talked about Peter Jackson, but we went to see the second Lord of the Rings movie, and uh, that opening sequence with the Balrog and, and Gandalf falling down the hole, I was like, okay, I'm five minutes into this movie and I feel like I've got my money's worth. <laughs> That's how I felt after the opening sequence yeah, of Zombieland. Yeah, I am five minutes into this movie and I have got my exactly. money's worth. They could just roll the credits and just, just a purple prose, just like, just take that out, show it anywhere and you'd win an Oscar. It's just really great. Uh, uh, but then we get into the story. It's a story of uh, Jesse Eichmann. Is that yes, just uh, just yeah. Pardon me, of course. Yeah, he's a, he's coming up in Hollywood right now. <laughs> he is, yeah. But but yeah. Well, I suppose uh, the Facebook movie might have uh, social network might yeah. have increased his. But yeah, he's he's always been good. I mean, he's he's always been this this young actor. Uh, I mean, in uh, Squid and the Whale, Noah Baumbach, and uh, just you know playing small, quiet roles. Some people call him the uh, poor man's Michael Sarah, but no, he's he's got more. He's, got, he's, he's, a, he's a different actor. It's an interesting movie called Roger Dodger with him and yes. Campbell Scott. I, I like him, but I do think that to a large extent he's one of these actors who he's playing Jesse Eisenberg in every role. You know, mm -hmm. I don't really see him disappearing into a part, but he does his Jesse Eisenberg thing well enough that I have no complaints. You know, yeah. and he's our, he's our narrator for this movie. In some ways, this is a zombie survival guide, and you just know that there are uh, people out there who are studying this movie 
just in case. <laughs> I mean, he, he gives advice on, on how to survive a zombie apocalypse, and uh, it's... Good it's practical advice. Good practical advice, advice, exactly. I mean, uh, I, I, had, I think the only one that I had any kind of real beef with was, was beware bathrooms. <laughs> um, that's, I think, his own phobia is coming through. <laughs> but I also like the way they did that sort of pop-up video style, that whenever he uh, would mention one of his rules, we would see text pop up on screen. And it's like, for anybody at home taking notes, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, nobody's given real names. They're basically given the name of the place they come from. Um, but uh, Jesse uh, Eisenberg ends up uh, meeting up with Woody Harrelson. And I'm going to say that Woody Harrelson in this movie may have found the funnest role of his career. And arguably, like, if you could play any role in any movie, like, it would be a hard one for me. Like, uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark or the Woody Harrelson character in yeah. Zombieland. Like, as far as level of sheer enjoyment being and executing the film, like, that would be a blast of a part to have. And, uh... Woody Harrelson plays it very straight, but I, I, I have to believe he was having a good time while he did it. It didn't feel like a paycheck performance to me. <laughs> yeah, and... Tallahassee. I Tallahassee, think that's, the that's, that's the man, yeah. And just, yeah, just a cool, cool man. Um, yeah, so so Columbus meets up with Tallahassee. Uh, I, I love that showdown. I love that standoff between the two characters first meet. It's just... I mean, and... and the whole mo- well, I shouldn't say the whole movie plays real. I guess it does. Like, you believe the characters. It's the characters real enough for the world that exactly, they're showing exactly. us. It's not the real world, but it's it's the world of zombie land, yeah. and we buy it enough. Yeah, and then I meet up with uh, these two Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin, and uh... Abigail Breslin, of course, our little Miss Sunshine, and Emma Stone, the wet dream of <laughs> every you know <laughs> young was, adult male in the world was. right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. The female characters, and if there's a problem with the movie, and I am saying if, it, it's with those two girls, I think. Because for the first half of the movie, they are smart, they are resourceful, they completely like run circles around the guys as far as survival skills, <laughs> and, <then laughs> and as far they... as getting things. And in the second half of the movie, they suddenly get in trouble, are really, really dumb, and need very to naive. get rescued. Yeah. yeah, And that's a very abrupt shift in their characters, and it's done for no other reason than we need a big climax. Yeah. Yeah. And I would be really mad about that if not for the fact that the climax is so fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah the, the girls want to go to this amusement park, and it was clearly supposed to be Disneyland, right? Yeah. Um, but they couldn't get the rights to say Disneyland. They, no. <laughs> so it's whatever it was <laughs> called in the movie. I don't know if Walt would really have approved of, of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Walt would give it his thumbs up. But yeah, towards the end of the movie, they decide to go to this park. They turn on all of their rides, and they're they're riding around by themselves. They don't bring the guys with them. They're completely solo, and they attract thousands of zombies to them. Good and for us. But good not good for, for the movie. Good for a climax. But as far as you know, characters doing things that make sense. Yeah, they just kind of go in there without without a thought. Really, nope. they just kind of go. Hey, we're going to go ride the rides. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I think part of the problem, if and again. If that's a problem, <laughs> is that this was originally like uh, proposed as a pilot for a TV show, right? So my guess is originally the script was an hour long, and we got to meet all of our characters, right? Mm-hmm. So now we know who everybody is, they've had their first adventure together, now let's go on to the ongoing adventures of Zombieland. Um, so 
if next week there was another adventure, maybe we would have, you know, it wouldn't have stood out so glaringly. But for me, yeah, my one real beef with Zombieland is that, yeah, people get stupid in the third act. Mm. But I mean, come on, the movie is so much fun. And it has the best cameo it really does in film history yeah. if somebody can tell me that there's a better cameo in a movie than this i don't know if it quite qualifies as a cameo it's certainly more than a one scene role it's maybe here for five minutes in the movie yeah. but damn uh, when i saw it in the theaters it was a surprise but i have to believe at this point everybody knows that bill well, murray shows up in this know. movie yeah i think so i think so <laughs> i do put a spoiler worry warning you do. at good, the top good, of the good. show larry so. larry <laughs> well well some well. people don't know but yes yeah, so it's a complete surprise I think it's appropriate to mention the Bill Murray cameo because they pay direct homage to a movie we're going to discuss in a little while here. Oh, yes. <laughs> they actually reenact bits of Ghostbusters during the, the <laughs> movie Zombieland. And Bill Murray gets big laughs out of me just being a guy standing there doing not much, you know, just being himself. Just being himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray as Bill Murray. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> um and yeah, what a lucky guy are you that you got two movies out of your picks with the with that have the bill. <laughs> the bill in them. Cool. I'm sorry, I feel like I've taken over the review. What no, are, what um, well, um, I'm not really sure what more to say about this. In, in some ways, we were talking about pl plot synopsis. In some ways, this might be where that falls apart. I mean, you've sort of got the introduction of the characters. You're going through this world. I, I wouldn't say it loses steam because it's always an entertaining movie. Yeah. But is it is it, um, it's, you know, as as far as a horror goes, in some ways it's uh, it gets a little bit road trippy for a while, and and you don't get that 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 danger or fear. Yeah. Um, Nobody has a real destination. The girls did want to get to that play park. They did want to get to the amusement center, but like. Really, the, there's just a group of people that found each other and uh, eventually decide that they need to get along and, and you know, mm -hmm. work together to stay alive. But, no, really, the, the strongest arc of the movie is Woody Harrelson's character's quest to get a Twinkie. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of driving, like, uh, one scene to the next. They're not on the heels the whole movie. The, the zombies sort of show up when needed yeah. and disappear when they're not. Yeah. But... Uh, Again, the the goal this movie sets is to keep a smile on your face and to bring the red and to, you know, to be a fun, funny zombie movie. And in that count, I think it, it is very successful. It is absolutely successful. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? They're mean. You have? They're here. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals. Oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. Did you see it? They're all that stand between you and the end of the world. 
This city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. All right, what's next on the menu? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. And really, this is... Yeah, we had mentioned it earlier. It's a cultural phenomenon. And I just think, maybe maybe I'm not giving the people of the 80s enough credit, but it seems like it would have been a little bit mind-blowing. Like, it just It's just such a strange premise. I mean, these, this is in the era of, what, uh, Crocodile Dundee? and I think this even predates pink. Crocodile Dundee. But, okay, yeah. I'm just trying to think of what the comedies would have been around 84. Um... This definitely had a lot of films that would try to emulate it mm-hmm. following it. I think without Ghostbusters, there would be no Golden Child, you know? <laughs> you know, so there's some blowback to Ghostbusters, yeah. is what I'm saying. But, uh, yeah, no, the idea of doing a big-budget, supernatural comedy, mm. I, you know, I'm sure it was done, but never as successfully. Like, this was everywhere. If you yeah. were a kid and you were alive, you knew the Ghostbusters and you loved it. Yeah. And I was definitely one of those kids, you know. <laughs> I had the Ghostbusters soundtrack on cassette. A bunch of kids in my class did a, <laughs> a air band to it at a Halloween party <laughs> in circa 1987, you know. Well, it's a fun movie and a solid movie. Like it, it's, I mean, it's it's a supernatural comedy, but it it never forgets that it's a comedy. But it, it's still got some some horror elements. In fact, that the horror in this movie is it's a lot deeper than than you even realize. The concept is rock solid on many levels. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of these guys getting booted out of their uh, university campus because the dean doesn't like their fringe science mm-hmm. and using their technology to start a ghost-busting business, that in alone is a great conceit for a movie. Yes. Then the whole haunted uh, building that they're dealing with and the, the gateway to alternate gods, the whole Lovecraft, Lovecraftian mm-hmm. gozer angle of the screenplay, that in itself would be enough for one really entertaining movie. And if you have a comedy and you put Dan Aykroyd, Rick Moranis, Bill Murray, and Harold Ramis in it, <laughs> chances are it's going to be funny. And somehow all of these ingredients fell into place all at once and produced an epic blockbuster and uh, and just a mortal movie of my youth. That said, um, watching it again, I do think there are some creaks and moans in Ghostbusters. I can't pretend that there isn't. I didn't realize how many montages there were in <laughs> Ghostbusters. But upon watching it again, there's a lot of things where uh, instead of, you know, characters talking to each other or things being explored, you know, their business from con- conception to them being superstars... Montage, uh, the ghosts being unleashed upon Manhattan. Montage, um, the, it happens again and again. Now, is this a weakness of the movie, or is this just a sort of a staple of the '80s blockbusters? I don't know. But uh, apparently, in its first drafts, the script was much more ambitious than even we got. It was set in the future, uh, and there was like space elements involved into it as well. Dan Aykroyd came up with the original premise for the movie, and he is a mad genius. Oh, yeah. But it can go either way, because uh, Dan Aykroyd also wrote and directed a little picture called Nothing But Trouble, and if you ever get a chance to see it, run. Run <laughs> screaming. Run screaming away. <laughs> um, but I don't want to shit-talk Ghostbusters, and I know that's what it sounds like I'm doing, but... Uh, I love Ghostbusters, but I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie. I'm going to say that I saw it at that age where, to me, there was no greater movie for a long time. 
Uh, but as I grew up and I look back on it, no, I can see that I can see that. Yeah, there's some there's some little things here and there, but I still love the movie. Well, I yeah, and I would, I would prefer to. I mean, it, it really is a product of its time. I mean, the aesthetic of it. The, I mean, and you've got you've got uh, these comedians at the, you know at the peak of their game. They're there's strong, strong character actors, and and just just having fun with it. Um, New York looks great in this. You talk about New York being a character in movies. It made me love New York, to be honest with that. It really feels like just a slice of that moment in time, just like almost like lightning in a bottle, perfect storm. All these things coming together to make a really fun movie. And I'm like, oh man, thank goodness they didn't do the future elements. It would have muddied it up. This is this is it's it's the aesthetic of it is is consistent. You know, some of the special effects are. They're dated. They're but dated, but but, but, it, but they they make it work. And and I, I talk a little bit about this uh, in the next movie as well. Is uh, if if I mean we, we live in an age where you can pretty much put anything on screen almost seamlessly without thinking, hey, that's a special effect. Yeah. You, you couldn't do that in 1984. So what 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 good directors did and cinematographers and whoever else is is involved in creating the look of of the movie is is you fit it in with with the aesthetic. Of of the movie, so in that sense, yeah, it looks a little bit weird. I don't know if they just drew on the on the, on the celluloid, literally, or, or something like that. But uh, but some of the special effects. Uh, There's some hard matte lines, some green screens, some mm-hmm. stop motion animation. But again, uh, I mean, that's the time the movie was made in, and it fits completely with the movie. Exactly. Uh, and if that works against it for you, and I really don't think it should. I don't no. think there's anything that stands so. out as awful. Um, just take it that most of the cast here are at their just the peak of their form and playing to their to their strengths. Yeah. Mick, Rick, sorry, Rick Moranis has played a lot of nerdy characters, but this has got to be the crown jewel in his library of goofy nerdy characters. I love his supporting role in here. William Atherton has spent a career playing slimy shitbag roles, and Walter Peck, as the character he plays in Ghostbusters, is just the perfect prick foil <laughs> for. For Bill Murray. Yep. Um, Bill Murray, who by all accounts didn't want to be in the movie particularly and only agreed to do it if the studio would fund his uh, Razor's Edge movie that he wanted to do, apparently made up most of his lines because he wasn't satisfied with the script. And that makes him come off as kind of a dick. And I'd complain loudly about it, if not for the fact that almost everything that comes out of his mouth is hilarious yeah. in the movie. And he has to be a dick in this movie. That's That's his role. I mean, he just comes in there and... He's he's the he's the alpha male in this. He's the swinging dick. He uh, sort of like the Michael J. Fox character yeah. in the Frighteners. He's yeah. like he's he's a charming dick, yep. and we like him almost in spite yeah. of his behavior. And in, in many ways, Bill Murray is a, a charming dick in general. And this is this is him at his charming dickiest. Yeah, I, I've never met the perfect. man, but it does bother me that he'll do Garfield one and two, but it's just too much of an actor to approach Ghostbusters three. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh, Bill. <laughs> no, I have I have a lot of love for the Ghostbusters. Um, another scene that stands out for me as odd in one of the many montages. There's a scene where a female ghost appears above the Dan Aykroyd character and unzips his pants and belt. <laughs> Do you remember this? I've... This happened. I did not hallucinate. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> I remember seeing it as a kid and it making me uncomfortable. And I remember watching it again a, a month or so ago when I watched the movie, thinking, this makes me uncomfortable still. And what is it doing in the movie? <laughs> it's a bizarre I moment. Know. I mean, it, oh, was this the Earth Police Academy? Maybe oh, that yeah, would explain for sure. it. 
uh, it's some of the they'll throw anything to the wall. Uh, and I guess another thing is a chink against it. I, I have an original theatrical poster. Actually, uh, uh, it's before it came out in theaters. It's a picture of Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and Dan Aykroyd in full Ghostbuster apparel, looking up at something which you have to believe is scary. And the, the caption on the poster says, Coming to save the world this summer. Interesting thing is, Ernie Hudson's not on the poster. Ernie Hudson, who I guess we have to admit, especially in the first movie, is the token black Ghostbuster. Mm -hmm. He is introduced late in the game and not given a whole lot to do other than be the, the charming black guy. And I think that's another sort of fault of the times. Uh, I think a lot of times we talk about movies coming out of the 80s, especially if I have a, a specific love for it from my past, you also have to look back and say, you know, the times have changed yeah. for the better in some ways, you know. <laughs> Rod and I are going to talk about Teen Wolf. Uh, there's a whole scene in Teen Wolf where uh, he's confessing to his friend that he's a, he's a werewolf. And his friend says, are you going to tell me you're a fag? Because if you tell me you're a fag, I don't think I can handle it. In the 80s, a scene like that is funny. Uh, in, in 2013, we're like, wow, I watched that when I was eight. <laughs> Weird. Different time. Different time. And here's a little time capsule. Um, the bullet point is, it's a special effects extravaganza. It's uh, directed by uh, Ivan Reitman, who is uh, Canadian, I believe. That's right. Um, and uh, it introduced the world to Slimer. Uh, it, it produced a not-so-great sequel and perhaps more to come. I think this movie is immortal. I think that people will be watching and loving Ghostbusters for generations it's to come. It's a unique movie. It really, it really is. It really is. And yeah, just just for that alone, it's it stands out even among good comedies of that era. Mm -hmm. This is a good comedy that there's nothing like it really. Sigourney Weaver's in this movie. We it's haven't even mentioned Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> if you. <laughs> And Annie Potts as well. There's the female characters. She's it is a bit of a sausage yeah. party, oh, yeah, I yeah, suppose. I guess so. But, but yeah, let's yeah. give the girls some credit. Annie Potts has some really funny lines as the flirtatious uh, receptionist that they hire, and yeah, uh, and she holds her own. Like I mean, in, in the sense, like she's not, she's not the the uh, the put upon secretary. She no. she she. she she's got that. Moxie. See? Yeah, she's got Moxie. And uh, Sigourney Weaver is the only person who has the straight role. I don't think she really has any punchy, funny lines to be found anywhere in the movie. But, uh, you know, she's not a damsel in distress either. She's just a person in a bad situation who, yeah. uh, who actually call the right, calls the right people. <laughs> well, she finds a portal to hell in her, in her refrigerator. <laughs> so, and yeah, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> yeah, she's a real person with a real problem, and uh, it just gets worse. Yeah. She plays it well. Anyway, everybody should watch and love Ghostbusters. I think so. Agreed. Age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. At a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. This one of us souls. And about to die! What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped. In the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. 
foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. I got it, I got it! Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, Niktu! When they only spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. <laughs> now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. So what year did Army of Darkness come out? I want to say 91, 92, something like this. When you got the DVD in front of you. Got it in front of me. There's a standard location for the date to be. <laughs> 92. 1992. Yeah. In the year of 1992, the world was introduced to Army of Darkness. And this is a film that precious few people bothered to go see in the theaters. It was considered something of a bomb when it was released, but I'm sure has made more than its money back in video sales as a new version of it seemed to come out every six or nine months when, you know, people still bothered to do things like sell DVDs. <laughs> um, we just talked about Evil Dead the last episode, and uh, Terry and I both agreed it was a good movie. I think Terry liked it a lot more than I did, but... Uh, what we had with Evil Dead was basically a bunch of friends in their early 20s and student filmmakers making a horror movie. And uh, you fast forward 10 years or so, and Army of Darkness has Sam Raimi, who's had a lot of uh, big features under his belt already, returning to the, the franchise that made him, and this time pulling out all of the stops and largely removing all of the horror. Um... Possibly. Well, I do remember Evil Dead, I found genuinely frightening. It's a genuinely disturbing. Yeah. And Evil Dead 2, as much as it's aping Evil Dead 1, has all of the tropes that you'd expect. It's got boo moments. It's got... Mm. It brings the red. It's uh, The tone of it is dark, even though there's a lot more laughs than jumps. But I think that this is the one where they officially went, we're making a comedy. Well, that said... And I may be alone in this. I found several scenes in this genuinely disturbing. Really? Genuinely frightening. I know it may, it may not be horror-y enough for you, but there's just something about this movie, and I don't quite know what it is, that, that genuinely frightens me. Um, for instance, the scene where he's in the graveyard and these skeletal arms are coming and grabbing him. Now, they're poking out his eyes like the Three Stooges mm -hmm. and all that. And the sound effects help to And the sound that. effects, but at the same time, there's skeletal arms reaching out from the grave to pull him <laughs> down, you know, and things like that. Um, so basically the story is... is uh, at the end of Evil Dead 2, our hero, Ash, played by the immortal Bruce Campbell, mm -hmm. was sucked into a vortex that he'd... he'd uh, opened uh, using the Book of the Dead to suck the evil away. Unfortunately, it also sucked him into it, and he has found himself uh, either in a parallel dimension or way back in history. Uh, we're at the age of the, you know, knights and... Uh, <laughs> the Dark Ages, yes. Yeah, it's, 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 we're not really sure exactly where we are. It, it's sort of a funny, cartoony world, but uh, yeah. he has shown up from our modern world with his boomstick and his chainsaw. And it turns out his coming was foretold by prophecy. <laughs> and unfortunately, as he thought he'd just finished dealing with the evil, Ash's battle had only just begun. And that's largely where we begin, with the Army of Darkness. Uh, 
He's fallen out of the sky. He's been taken prisoner by a bunch of knights, and uh, he's trying to orient himself to his new situation. Uh, M. Beth Davids plays his love interest in the movie. I think it's interesting that I think she had two movies this year that, that came out. She did uh, Army of Darkness and uh, Schindler's List. Uh, hmm. Two more different movies. I don't think you could probably come across. <laughs> um, uh, she does good work, but again, uh, she is definitely playing the damsel in distress role. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, where this movie works completely for me is that it's Sam Raimi in his wheelhouse doing his thing. The camera work is tremendous. The monsters are amazing. Yeah. Uh, they completely let fly with the juicy one-liners for Ash. Uh, and uh, he does what he does. I think this is the most quintessential Sam Raimi movie that I can think of. Probably, And yeah. he wouldn't come anywhere close to this again for years. It won't, wouldn't be till Drag Me to Hell that I saw Sam Raimi really, you know, going back to his <laughs> horror roots and embracing them fully. That's right. And anything else? Yeah, I can't even think of what's in between, but those, that's that's another frightening horror movie. Um, this one, what I like about this one is, is the story is completely different from, from the from Evil Dead 1 and 2. It's uh, removed completely. But the aesthetic is, is very similar. It uses a, a, a similar color palette and, and the creatures are, are, are similar. It still feels related to those movies despite the fact being that rather than being like the Evil Deads were just a cabin in the woods essentially. Mm-hmm. And you're battling demons. This one's in, in medieval times and, and uh, there's this... They the spent some money on Undead it, army. Yeah. yeah and... Uh, and... Um, but but at the same time he does deal with a similar kind of evil like 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 I mean skeletons grabbing him and then uh, facing evil ash and uh, oh I think uh, that would have been the only scene that came close to quote scaring me or disturbing me when the evil ash pulls out of his own body I believe the first thing he sees is an eye popping out of the top of his shoulder <laughs> looking right. out at him and when especially when you don't know what's going on the first time you see it you're like what is this we have not seen this before. But really, this movie seems like a series of set pieces and, and wacky gags, uh, which I'm okay barely with. <laughs> strung together into a, a, a story. Yeah, and 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 another one is uh, the, uh, the the little ashes that little he finds ashes. on the mirror. Again, I find that deeply disturbing. These <laughs> these little miniature versions of himself, and well, everything that he meets is intent on hurting him. Yeah, not just killing him. But hurting him. And they're using him to hurt him. Using him to hurt him. nothing else will kill Ash but Ash, apparently. Yeah, Uh, yeah. the little Ash sequence is is great. Uh, There's some pretty obvious blue screen work, but I find it charming. Some people will roll their eyes at it, but if you're the kind of person who likes to roll their eyes, I would encourage you not to watch Army of Darkness, because this movie only wants to make you laugh and uh, and be silly and fun. Yeah. And you got to go with that, or you're not going to enjoy yourself. Yeah, and it is one of those ones that, that doesn't that doesn't wink at the camera. This is this is all played, I mean, as, nope. as much as a frantic comedy can be played straight, it plays it straight. Uh, even the you know the the the, uh, the skeletal army um, stop motion effects for that rather than I mean maybe done out of necessity but it feels like it pays homage to some of the some of the early stop motion special effects uh, like uh, Jason and the Argonauts and that kind of thing, thing yeah they're also just uh, two or three hairs more cartoonish than we've seen I think or they're getting closer to Muppet territory than we've been in the franchise before. I mean, there's some pretty crazy puppet stuff in, in Evil Dead 2, now that I've said that out loud. But, uh, 
Yeah, there's a scene I remember where he's punching a skeleton and its head keeps spinning around, <laughs> and then its head stops, but its eyes continue to spin. Like these little sort of Bugs Bunny and, like you were saying, Three Stooges moments. Um, again, it's firing on all cylinders. It's like a lean 80 minutes, and they're throwing as much one-liners and as much like crazy stuff at you as they possibly can. <laughs> and uh, again, I think you get your money's worth. And I also think it's a movie that if you hadn't seen Evil Dead 1 or Evil Dead 2, if you were just out of the blue, you walked into this movie... I do think you would enjoy it. I don't think you would feel necessarily oh, lost. You know, <laughs> this more than any of the other ones in this series, maybe even the first, I think stands alone really well. Yeah. In, in that way, maybe they were smart to call it Army of Darkness instead of Evil Dead 3. Yeah. Or, like I said, the much better title, Medieval Dead. Ooh, I don't like that. You don't like Medieval Dead? I don't like Medieval Dead. It's too oh, clever. It's too oh, cute. It's too clever by half. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, they did. It's. It, yeah, it's like I said before. They it's a it's a different movie, but still still related. You can still tell that it's the same world, it's the same character, same universe. Uh, the Necronomicon is there still, um, the same aesthetic. Um, but yes, a, a good standalone movie as well. Just sort of the idea of kind of the wacky that you get early, early in the movie. Um, Ash is drugged drug good word is dragged to this uh, castle he's believed to be a member of a, a warring tribe and they are going to throw him into this pit and so we get an idea of what danger he's in they throw uh, a red shirt into the pit first and everybody the entire crowd all leans in simultaneously to look into the pit and suddenly an incredible gorged like huge fountain of blood spews out more blood than could have been in any five people <laughs> it's sort of like a throwback to evil dead 2 with the fountains of blood shooting out of the walls why is it there just because man because you're watching army of darkness and they wanted to show you a geyser of blood you can't overthink this. You just got to have fun with it. <laughs> and I did. I did. Absolutely. In fact, there's not a movie in your list, and I think this is why it was a tough one to rank, that I didn't really, really like. Yeah. Like, not just like, but like a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a solid list. This is a solid uh, set of movies. Anything else you want to say about Army of Darkness? Uh, no, let's move on. What are company retreats all about? This is not a holiday. This is a business. I can't spell success without you. Building relationships. English birds ain't complicated. You buy them a Bacardi breezer and then why'd you like sea biscuit? What did you do there? Working out issues. When your head's chopped off, your brain can think for about two to three minutes. Should I make some tea? Stop! Stop it! That is really dangerous! Unexpected perks. I've been waiting for you, Richard. Really? Okay, everybody, prepare to smile. Survival. Someone in the woods. We need to get out of here. All right, what's next on the menu there, Kev? What do you watch next? We have the British film Severance. Uh, small uh, cabin in the woods, well, literally a cabin in the woods movie. Uh, people isolated, uh, they're... Uh, they work of, for a weapons manufacturer. Yeah, weapons manufacturer. Seven colleagues find themselves faced with the shop. Never mind. I'm going to read this. It's, <laughs> it's too cute for its own good, but a corporate weekend. Yeah, it's like a getaway for a bunch of people who work uh, in typically boring office jobs, but their business does produce weapons. Um, yeah, and they're to go to this cabin in the woods and do some team-building exercise stuff. 
almost nobody really wants to be there. Um, and the movie spends almost the first half, really, just letting us really sink into these characters, get to know who's who and what roles they play yeah. before the worm turns. Um, basically, they get lost. We're not sure. We're in somewhere Europe. We don't know exactly <laughs> where. And uh, they they find what they believe to be the cabin they were uh, assigned to. But as the plot unfolds, we start to think maybe they're in the wrong cabin. And maybe they picked the wrong set of woods because they're clearly being stalked by some psychopath in the woods. And and that is one of the things I like about this movie is um, the building menace. It, it's it's almost there right from the beginning. The subtlety, um, just the the little things that they do uh, with camera and with angles and and with editing to just create a sense of menace. I have to say, I was I was this was the movie I was most surprised at watching a second time with a critical eye. It's it's a very it's a very tight movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything is on screen here that is an accident. Uh the the color palette, the the editing, uh everything about it just seems to be set up to create this impending sense of doom. And right from from, from the very beginning, although it's a comedy, it's unsettling. From the very beginning, you just kind of know that something's not quite right here. And, well, yeah, uh, they start with uh, uh, somebody hanging upside down, I believe, and uh, two topless women in a in a hole in the ground. Well, <laughs> see that I, you know, that is actually. And then we we kind of slowly get to that point with the movie. Yeah, and I have to say that's one of those tropes which I'm I'm really ambivalent about the whole showing a scene from, from late in the movie right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to go away. It's like a punctuation mark. It's, it's a technique. It's, uh, I just don't know how I feel about that technique. It's, it's, in some ways, it feels like a, like a cheat. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, uh, ra- I, th- I think this movie would have been fine without that. We, we know where it's going to go. We know there's going to be a high body count. We know people are going to get trapped and hurt. That it's, that's what this script was made for. Yeah, and I wonder if it was in the original script. I, I do get the feeling like this was deliberate, that the first 45 minutes of this film was deliberately slowly paced yeah, and then so that the said, second you know 45 minutes yeah. would seem that much more intense. Yeah. And so that we knew all the characters. Like uh, In your typical slasher movie, which I guess this could kind of be called, um, if you don't have some boobs or some blood in the first 10 minutes you've done something terribly terribly wrong yeah and so maybe it was a producer's decision to, all right let's this just, is what uh, i'm saying they might be throw that saying, in there. like let's... put the boobs and the blood right at the beginning otherwise and then people give them the 45 minutes want to watch this yeah exactly but maybe i'm wrong maybe christopher smith did that very deliberately i'm a big fan of christopher smith yeah. as a rule so um and like i say i'm mostly just ambivalent i really don't know one way or the other whether or not i like that technique i'm tempted to say that i don't, but it's it's a very com- it's a very common technique. Some so, you know some of my favorite movies have that, like yeah. you know Fight Club, where just a little shot at the end, where it's or from the end where they, it's standing, you know, the guy the gun in his mouth. That you know that kind of it's 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 a technique. Yeah, it's a neutral technique. Um, it's either that or the bookend. You know, it starts in a place and it ends in that place. Yeah. The, the Carlitos Way approach or whatever. Um, yeah, but you you yeah it, it, the first you do get to know these characters and there's a there's a few. Even the characters you don't like yeah. in this movie, you like. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, he's a prick, but you've met that prick. <laughs> you've met that guy before who takes his job way too seriously. And always is going to tattle on you for not doing the, to the letter of your job. Um, and uh, 
they start doing their exercises and chasing each other about in the woods, and they they run into a couple of legitimate booby traps. <laughs> that's obvious. Oh my uh, goodness, the bear trap! Yes, yeah. one of the characters uh, unfortunately steps into a bear trap, which is just brutal. I think that's sort of the starting point. Once that trap yeah, yeah. actually goes you, off, that's when the movie goes, "Okay, now now it's on." Yeah, you you know that. And what I love about horror comedy and and when it and and this movie uh, in particular. Uh, there's there's moments where you feel safe and you're like oh yeah and you, you, hey, things are gonna work out okay I like these characters and then oh but not, this is not the movie we're watching no however good things are now or however much things have calmed down these characters are going to die one <laughs> of these time people will in die. a very horrible fashion <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a great scene before the the storm really gets raging as far as the violence uh, where one of the characters I don't remember the name of the actress but she's one of the more likable characters in the group she gets up late at night to go get a drink of water or something and as she's walking back to the room you see this huge spider crawling <laughs> up the back of her nightgown and it's like ooh arachnophobia yeah. moment right and then instead of her screaming and alerting everyone and having the big false scare. She ends up finding the spider and being quite enamored of it and letting it gently out the window. It's like just consistently saying, huh, it's going to get scary. Nope, not yet. Yeah. It's going to get scary. Nope, not yet. And then, oh, yeah, now we're getting scary for real. Because it really does get get horrible. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and true to its genre as well. I mean... It's, uh, it's uh, people in the woods being menaced by... Something menacing, um, and dying horrible deaths, uh, and it's a it's a very visceral movie. It's 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 a uh, it's one of those ones, um, you know that you know some horror movies, you know people get ripped apart and all these things. But this is this is this is real people doing bad things to real people, yeah. and it and it's it's disturbing in that sense. I don't think it, I don't think it really glorifies it, except with the caveat that. It was made to. This movie was made because someone wanted to make a movie where people got hurt. You know, um, there's one character uh, played by Danny Dyer. He's sort of given the lead credit for the film, but this is an ensemble. Everybody gets mm -hmm. to throw their fair measure of weight, I think. Um, and I don't know that it's a complaint. It's definitely a deliberate choice. But his character definitely is the character that seems to be coming maybe from a slightly different movie. We are allowed access to this character that we're not allowed to other people. We get to see his flights of fancy. Oh, he's the one who drops mushrooms. Yeah, he's yeah. the drug addict. This is another... Uh, it's sort of becoming almost a... It's not a cliche, but it's a thing that I'm seeing a lot more in horror movies where the, the typical dumbass stoner character who is... Mm -hmm. In, in you know the 70s and 80s the first or second person to get killed is now starting to play a much more significant role you've seen Cabin in the Woods the stoner is practically the hero of mm -hmm. that movie uh, Danny Dyer is sort of the yeah whatever uh, I'd rather be smoking weed character in this movie and uh, instead of that working against him he's sort of put in a much more heroic perspective it's kind of an interesting trend I've noticed in horror movies and this is one of the first times I saw it so fully embraced um, yeah, we, we are allowed access to his fantasies when they're all telling stories about what this cabin might have been in the past. You know, we see him coming to this place populated by super hot nurses and, uh, yeah, it's a fun escaping moment in the movie, but it does, it's very incongruous with everything else. <laughs> um, he does have, uh, Danny Dyer has just a fantastic moment though, uh, in the movie when, uh, 
there's a point where they think they've escaped the evil and everything has been resolved and he reaches into his pocket and removes his like a ludicrously huge uh, uh, joint and lights it up and then they round a corner and he realizes oh they're not out of danger at all and without a word he just takes it out of his mouth puts it out <laughs> puts it back into his pocket <laughs> It's this really nice little moments like that that I appreciate. And I appreciate, like I said, when we know these characters so well, so that when they did start to die, you felt something. It yeah. wasn't a Friday the 13th movie, you know? Yeah. That was a terrible death. You were a bad person. I didn't like your character, but you did not deserve that happening to you. That sucks, dude. It's, it works as a comedy, and it works as a horror movie, and that's a bravo. That's you know? saying something. Yeah. A lot of the movies we watched here, I think, definitely leaned more to the comedy, mm -hmm. or at least leaned more to one than the other. I would say, for instance, Ghostbusters is much more of a comedy than a horror movie, mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, this one's maybe got this the balance the most works right. as a know? horror. This one, um, I mean, it's, it's a... And, and again, this is not... A bad thing. It's it's very much to a genre, mm -hmm. and that's and that's fine. It, it it fits the formula, and like I say, that in some ways gives it punch because you're getting to like these characters, and then you're reminded, don't get too attached. To them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this isn't a sitcom. We're not watching an episode of The Office. No. Although this would be like the most fucked up episode <laughs> of The Office. Oh ever. my goodness, I could see that, and yeah, that, I mean, I couldn't see that, but I could almost, I could almost see that if I if I had unlimited amounts of money. An influence. I would probably pay the cast of the office to. Perform um, do you know the name of this? the lead actress, the blonde? Well, woman? The American girl. We got She's Laura like, Harris. Claudia Blakely doesn't. I think sound it's English. Laura Harris. I'm terrible. I should have the IMDb open in front of me. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought she was quite good, and I, I had quite a little crush on her. Oh. I think she was my. She's my 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 favorite lady of this collection of six movies. <laughs> I really liked her, and I liked her that she was constantly putting up with Danny Dyer's character, you know, practically dry-humping her on the <laughs> leg, like this annoying little brother. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun movie, and it is funny, and it is scary, and it's pretty original. Yeah. Um, you know, did you see the plane crash coming? Remember what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, Sorry, I'm, I'm stuck in this whole. I'm actually not going to spoil the... that, but I think this is one of the movies that uh, a few people have seen. But there is a scene in this movie where a plane is exploded, and uh, yeah, uh, it, it seems to come out of nowhere. But it's it's pretty hilarious. I think we can both agree that people should watch. Absolutely, sevens. absolutely. Please pay attention. This message is for your own safety. Our nation is in crisis. A state of emergency has been declared. Should you find your safety compromised? It is vital that you do not panic. Trying to avoid detection. Two seconds. Use weapons to defend yourself. Remember, that's the second half we ever bought. And remember, the attackers can be stopped by removing the head or destroying the brain. And so it was we came to Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Uh, first of uh, 
trilogy that he's hoping to create, a genre trilogy, is that correct? I guess. Well, it's a trilogy of talent, anyway. <laughs> uh, the the Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and uh, what's the name of the other actor? Sorry, Peck? blanking. No, not Peck. Uh, Frost. Uh, Nick Frost. Nick Frost, thank you. I can't believe I blanked on his name. Yes, they've done this movie, Shaun of the Dead. They did Hot Fuzz, which is much loved. I'm mm. not as big a fan of Hot Fuzz as everybody else in the world seems to be. Yeah. And then they have a new uh, comedy coming out this October, I believe, uh, about World's End, about the end, apocalypse. Made funny by these guys. Edgar Wright's also a director coming up in the world. He did the underrated, but I think quite quite entertaining, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Ah. And he's uh, contributing to Marvel's Phase 2 with Ant-Man, a really bizarre choice. There, there's some interesting titles coming out in this post-Avengers world. Um, but anyway, the, the trifecta of talent between those two leads and that director... Um, produced Shaun of the Dead, and before this they'd done a show called Spaced, which had a zombie-themed episode, which was really the real sort of inspiration for what became Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is a zombie romantic comedy. It is a zombie rom-com, mm -hmm. a zom-rom-com, as I will <laughs> call it. And um, it works as a romantic comedy, and it works as a zombie movie, and it works as a comedy. It's it, like... It's firing on all cylinders. And if on top of being a fan of those three genres, you uh, really know your zombie trivia, there's so many references to so many different directors and films and uh, well, just zombie cinema. It's definitely it's a, a feast. It's a, it's a love letter. It's a love letter to zombie films. Yeah. Uh, Simon Pegg loves them. Um, and, that, and that's what I'm really curious to see. Is other, like Hot Fuzz was also a pretty good action movie. Yeah, well, that's what it was built out. I think that was my beef with the movie, because they were billing it like we're making fun of the Michael Bay action films. And really, it was a fish-out-of-water comedy for the first two-thirds, mm -hmm. and then it was an action movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas I went into it like, yeah, let's go, let's see some explosions, yeah. let's see them make fun of Michael Bay, because he's very make fun of you know. But who's got um, the budget for that? But that was definitely outside of my wheelhouse. Whereas this film, when they're dealing with zombies, well, I love zombies. So this was, a, this was a soft pitch for me. I mean... I, like I said, this is a movie that felt like the cosmos created just to please me. <laughs> and the, the screenplay is so rich. They have layered so many things into it. Characters who are tertiary and uh, background characters in the early scenes, you will see again throughout the movie as zombies. Mm -hmm. um, they will set out lines like, the, uh, you've got red on you. Initially with pen, uh, later with blood. Uh, the The... The screenplay is so packed and so, you know, just well done that even though you're going to see a guy get ripped in half and have his guts eaten by zombies, you can take your girlfriend to this movie. She will like it and you will likely get some. <laughs> um, depending on the girl. Depending yeah, on the girl. I, yeah. we we, I had a discussion earlier about whether or not there, anything could be sexy about a zombie movie. To me, zombies are the... The antithesis of, of, of sex. So of any other genre, you can't really... They don't blend well at all. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. Anyway. Uh, but hey, if, if you can get laid after this movie, more power to you. So we got the story of Sean and his best friend, uh, 
living their lives, and uh, the people of London living their lives as zombies, essentially. There's a bit of a montage at the beginning that sort of says, hey, maybe we're already zombies, kind of thing. It's a bit cute. The setup is fairly familiar as far as a lot of, you know, story arcs of a character who's maybe not taking his life as seriously as he should, taking his girlfriend for granted. And what's going to wake him up? What's going to make him focus himself and really, you know, step up to the plate? Well, it turns and out. start living. <laughs> well, that that thing, the, that thing that will wake him out of his stupor, is the zombie apocalypse. In a lot of ways, it's the worst thing that happens to all of Sean's friends and family. But it's one of the best things that could have happened <laughs> for him. <laughs> a real boost to the relationship, too. I think this is a world that he can understand and that he can yeah, thrive in. Exactly. Whereas the regular workaday world was kind of, I think, beating him down. Well, it's kind of like uh, Tallahassee said in in, uh, in Zombieland. You know, my mom said, do something that you're good at. Turns out I'm good at killing zombies. Well, <laughs> this is him. This is his chance to shine. This is where he gets to be good at something. Uh, he managed to maintain a level head. Like, really, he's, he's, the, he's the driving force of this movie. He really is a hero. Even though his plan, which is, let's go to the bar and wait this out, is not that different than the plan for his life. Let's <laughs> yeah. go to the bar and wait it out. Um, <laughs> he he steps up to the plate and he rescues his girlfriend and attempts to save his, his friends mom and family. And, and his, his mom. His, uh, his friends too, yeah. yeah. Um, I love zombie movies, as I keep on saying. And I love particularly, usually the first act of a zombie movie, when things are starting to fall apart, but people don't know it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best examples of that is the first ten minutes of the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, one of my favorite bits of this whole movie is the, day, the first day of the zombie apocalypse. Sean takes a walk from his apartment to the store and grabs a couple of uh, treats for he and his buddy and back home again. And he passes several zombies and several bodies and does not notice. He is so into that routine. He has walked back and forth from that store so many times that he can do so and not notice that the world has completely fallen into chaos. And uh, up to the point where he actually slips in blood in the, in, the, in the store, almost falls, but keeps on walking and does not notice it. I just... There's so many laughs to be had in this movie. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, I guess if there's a weak link, I don't know how much chemistry I felt between Sean and his lady love, mm -hmm. although they have precious little screen time together to really develop that. Yeah. And most of the time that they are together, they're, you know, fending off zombies. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and also, I mean, I think one of the things with the movie is that the, the thrill is gone with the relationship. She's, she's tired of him being a... He was a, he was charming being allowed the first few years, yeah, exactly. but she realized that this is this is what he's got yeah. to offer. And yeah, yeah no. so yeah, when they when they first meet up, the relationship is is over, and so that might explain the lack of chemistry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's that's a, that's a detail, really. But yeah, and and actually, characters in a movie, London, or well, whatever. This this is this is a very English movie. Like everything about it is just. I don't think you can make this movie in like you know small town. Middle America or anything like that. There's a, it's it's British comedy. Yeah. Uh, and Severance again was was British comedy. I don't I don't think anyone else could really quite pull it off in that same way. That sort of deadpan. Um, oh, so this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> sort of sort of feel. Well, it's funny. Like his bromance that he has with the Nick Frost character. Nick Frost sort of seems to be the uh, emulation or the physical. Uh, representation of all of Sean's worst impulses <laughs> sort of put into one person. Uh, 
that he loves that guy, you know, so he feels like it's okay to be that guy because that guy's a lot of fun to be with. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess the lesson is sooner or later you gotta you gotta live your life. You can't be the fun goofy guy all the time. Sooner or later you gotta roll up your sleeves and work on you know a career or a relationship or whatever you're going to do. Yep. And um, he pulls through. He pulls and, through and, for his girlfriend, for his mom, his friends. You know, he just has to find a place for his his animal side. And as we find out, it turns out to be the shed in the backyard. <laughs> but uh, that's the other thing about this movie. I mean, as much as it, you can bring your girlfriend to it, like I said, and she will like it. This is a zombie movie. The body count is high. And people die by being ripped apart yes. by zombies. Yes. And uh, people we like die by being ripped apart by zombies, you know? It's not like at the end of the movie, everybody magically is okay again, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, considering... I mean, uh, this this apocalypse, compared to a lot of the other zombie movies I've seen, seems like a much more fixable one. Uh, the people seem a lot more in control. Society is holding together better than we've seen in a lot of other ones. <laughs> but uh, this movie brings the red. It also brings the, the romance and the comedy, but it is a zombie movie. And, it's a zombie uh, movie. It is a horror. <laughs> no, no question about that. Everybody should walk away happy from this movie. I mean, unless you're dead set against violence or you're dead set against romance, this movie is just... It is the quintessential Zomron com. <laughs> yeah, not many like this. And so it was that uh, Kevin Stiller and Larry Parsons have discussed six horror comedies. So that means it's time for the rank and review. Mm. <laughs> now, this was a really tricky group of movies yeah. to rank. We both I think of all the episodes yeah. so far, this was my toughest one to rank. I mean, there was, like I said, I big, big endorsements to all of these movies. I like them all. Um, this is one of those times where I'm sort of glad that my guest gets to go first. Okay. <laughs> all right. But uh, Kevin Stiller, please tell me, what was your least favorite, if that's the right way to put it? Okay. What would rank number six in this list of... Uh, coming in at number six is The Frighteners. Okay. Uh, the Frighteners, again, an entertaining movie. It really drew me in. Very intense, but... but uh, just some some of the zaniness was just too too madcap. Just just a bit of inconsistency of tone or or certain tonal elements. Uh, the wackiness in certain places was just more grating than than anything else. But I mean, and the, was it the Ellen Silvestri score? Who did the score for that? Did it say? Oh, that score. I, d I don't. I, we won't. We won't embarrass that person. It was over the top. It was really over the top. Some sometimes it worked, but like, there's a scene in a graveyard where they're having a conversation, and that same over the top music is playing. Is it, so it sounds like a, like an even crazier version of Danny Elfman, but I don't know who it was. Yeah, um, is it, is I don't it know if I can find out easily. Well, I can also splice it in if you want. Sure. Okay, so that's number. Six. Anyway, number six. Okay, The Frighteners. Number five. I hate to say it, but Zombieland, a yeah. great movie, a movie I really enjoyed. But um, and it, 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 if I tweaked my ranking system a little bit, it could it could be higher. But um, 
I, I felt it didn't quite deliver on on the promise. I mean, I mean, who can really? It was such a great beginning, but uh, as soon as as soon as the two girls were in, uh, introduced, it sort of just became a conflict between them. And as you said, the zombies come in when they're needed, and they go and, away. And they go away when they're not. And uh, you know, and, and a great final fight at the end too. But uh, but that beginning again, not a bad movie, very entertaining movie, but. Um, uh, the fear factor is not necessarily there for a lot of it, uh, uh, but uh, uh, so as far as horrors go, and again, great movie, yeah. fun movie, go out and see it, absolutely. But it, it's still at number five on my on my list. Okay. All right, number four. Uh, number four is Ghostbusters. Uh, it is a solid movie. It is a fun movie. It is a, it is a product of its time in a in a good way. Uh, it will always remind me of nineteen eighty four. Um, Always make me love New York and the characters, the actors in this. Great movie um, and some scary elements. Let's let's not let's not forget that. But it is it is a comedy first and foremost. Not a that's not a bad thing. Uh, but if we're looking at if we're looking at horrors and, and genuine thrills and spills, um, I'm going to put this one at number four. All right. Okay. Number three. Uh, number three is uh, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, it has all the elements there, so I mean, no, no, uh, no love lost for this movie. It's a, it's a funny movie. It is a frightening movie. It is an exciting movie. It's number three. Yeah. Number two, uh, Severance. I was really impressed with this movie. Um, I, I, I felt it was the most horror-y of the movies. It's, it's horror-y. horror-y. <laughs> it, re- it really was a horror. It's really true to those those roots um almost disturbing in a bad way uh but uh but that's what horrors are for we we go to these movies to be unsettled and this one definitely worked on that regard and definitely made me laugh Mm -hmm. and this is i don't know what this says about me (laughs) but i freaking love army of darkness i really do and 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 like i say i may be alone in it but i i find moments of this movie Genuinely horrifying, oh. genuinely on a visceral level, <laughs> uh, and and that's that's things. And I and, and again, I was sort of slamming the zaniness of, of Frighteners. This is this is a zany movie, and not necessarily necessarily something I. But it's I just zany. Like. I find the balance is fairly consistent, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's and it's full on. It's 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 a full tilt movie. It's fun, and frightening. Uh, it's a fully realized world. World. It's disturbing. Um, Maybe a perfect movie. Wow. <laughs> wow. Maybe strong, not. Strong but, words. But yeah, I really, really am fully entertained whenever I watch this movie and also frightened. So there you go. Well, I, I have to tell you, Kevin, we have very, very, very different lists, but uh, that's okay. The thing that we both agree on is that all six of these movies are, are quite good. They're worth the time. Uh, and uh, I don't have, like, a lot bad to say about any of yeah. these, but, uh, yeah, it surprises me in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I, I'm guessing it will surprise you in a lot of ways how different... Uh, I'm really curious to see this one. <laughs> yeah. Our lists are going to be here. Um I actually ranked Army of Darkness as number six. That's okay. That's okay. It, it, it doesn't affect everyone the way it affects I me. I just don't want you to think less of me, Kevin. And I, I don't want you to think that I don't love Army of Darkness. Me and my friend Miko Ziola went to see this movie opening night. And like I, I, I'm pretty sure I pestered him into it. But, you know, 
Nirvana incesticide had come out recently and we were, I remember we were sneaking some of my dad's booze and we were listening to Nirvana and super stoked to go see the new Army of Darkness. I mean, I love Army of Darkness, but out of this crop of movies, something had to go to the bottom and for me, that's where it went. Um, but again, love it. Love it. Number five. Severance. <laughs> it's funny. My number, my number six and five was your number one and two. Again, I really like Severance. Um, uh, I think that it's maybe a little bit more fragmented. Like you say, the first half of the movie funny, the second half of the movie scary. Uh, it doesn't blend as well. But I don't think enough people have seen this movie. Oh yeah, they really must. And and I really do. I wouldn't say that the first. Ha- First half of the movie was solely funny. I like I say that that aura of menace. You can tell something's coming, but yeah. yeah they, but you're right; it doesn't yeah. really kick in until. I also want to give props to Tim McHenry. Uh, actually, Jeremy mentioned him in our first episode too. He plays the unfortunate fellow who finds the bear trap. I thought he he did a good job of a difficult role in that movie. And yes, though it ranks low, I really really do like Severance. And we're agreed that. Ghostbusters ranks four. It really pained me to rank Ghostbusters number four because it was such a part of my youth. And again, I am not saying it's a bad movie at all. It's just, for me personally, that's where it falls in the list. And I think that's the only thing that where our list lined up was in Ghostbusters (laughs) being number four, which I thought was controversial. Like, originally putting the list together, well, clearly Ghostbusters is number one. That's like saying you don't like ice cream. (laughs) Number three, I give to Zombieland. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it does have some of those stupid problems that we discussed. The, the characters don't really uh, play too consistently, you know? They go from being smart to dumb as the script needs them. The zombies are there or not as the script needs them. But you know what? It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's a funny movie. And uh, the, the, the pace is quick, you know? Like, I, I find this a very rewatchable, enjoyable romp. And like I say... Uh, this this will be uh, trivia for a long time as far as like best cameo performance in a movie ever. <laughs> Number two, shockingly, I think mostly to you, and this is highly personal, The Frighteners. I don't know why I love The Frighteners so much, because I see and agree with a lot of the flaws in it. It is bonkers sometimes, almost to the detriment of the fairly dark story that they're, ta- they're, they're telling. It feels Disney one moment, and then it feels like Eli Roth the next. Um, It it jars you. It keeps on knocking you off your balance. But uh, I can just watch this movie again and again (laughs) and again. And those two supporting roles, Jeffrey Combs and Dee Wallace, Mm -hmm. it sounds like hyperbole. I think are Oscar-worthy performances. <laughs> I think that they are just great. And, like, they're there in the movie because they're genre faces in a lot of ways. But they both have really great roles. They can really sink their teeth and They're not just saying, Hi, remember me from The Howling, or Hi, remember me from Reanimator. They have real plot to, 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 to play with in this movie. And, uh, yeah, The Frighteners is not everybody's cup of tea. And I can imagine a lot of people saying, Larry, what were you thinking rating it so highly? But uh, It's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. It's, it's a, a good, good movie. movie. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, the score was done by Danny Elfman. Oh. I was saying it was sounded like a bonkers Danny Elfman oh, type of logic. <laughs> Danny Elfman there it was, was uh, Danny Elfman. his coke days, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one, Shaun of the of Dead. Of course, of course. And, uh, you know, 
I, you know me. You know that I love zombies. It's a, a self-aware zombie movie that's <laughs> yeah. with the same toolbox, the same color palette, the same memories as you have. Yeah, <laughs> watching this, it's, it's made by somebody who loves the same things you love. Exactly. This was like just a movie to please Larry, and uh, it's a great starting point for for zombie people, and it's also a great movie for people who have watched hundreds of zombie movies, like. It's such a good entry point, you know. If you're trying to introduce somebody into the zombies and uh, you don't think they can handle Night of the Living Dead or something like that right out of the gate, softball them. Give them some Shaun of the Dead and maybe give them some Zombieland. And then raise the bar, you know. You gotta get to 28 Days Later. You gotta get to the Romero, you know, <laughs> really ease you into this. And here's your introduction. Um, so, yeah. I love me some Shaun of the Dead. It was almost unfair. But like I said, all six of these movies I love. I'm I'm happy that they're in my collection. I've watched all of them many times. I will watch all of them again. <laughs> uh, this was like the best list of movies this that I've had so list. far. Yes. So. <laughs> all right. I guess it is now time for the fifth episode of Rankin Review to give out the Jerry's. We've all changed into our taxes. We're ready to go here. All right. um, Kevin is very prepared for this. He's got uh, he's got some awards to give out. These are your Jerry's, and I, I look forward to hearing them. So here we go. All right. Well, the first couple I've decided to stick with the original Jerry's uh, because there was definitely a, there was definitely a what the fuck moment or two <laughs> to be found, in some of these movies. Yeah. Um, you know, actually. I was I had repressed the memory of the, of the mummy humping. I, if I had, <laughs> if I'd remembered that one, I would probably have been been right there. That would have that would have been a recipient. Uh, actually, I would just have to say, and this may be a little bit a bit of a cheat, but pretty much every moment that Jeffrey Combs is on screen, <laughs> there's I mean, uh, so let's go with the introduction of him. Yeah, who is this guy? Yeah. what what is this guy's deal? And he's just so big. It's beautiful, and and like we discussed earlier, it's not. It works. It fits in with the movie. Uh, not not just because it's a zany movie. He's a real person. He's got That's that, what I love that about line where he says, uh, "I'm sorry, I have a problem with women yelling." <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I always just like, oh, this dude is completely insane. <laughs> yeah, and 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 consistent and 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 real and just a great performance. The the the, the pinnacle of, of Jeffrey Combs is always always a go to actor for these kinds of movies. But he really makes the most of every moment he's on screen and and with enough menace and danger to to make him a a welcome part of the movie you you feel like he adds to the horror so is that a nomination no that's that, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it right jeffrey forward, combs yeah. is now a jerry award-winning actor yes he is yeah <laughs> absolutely he deserved it For he sure. absolutely deserved it uh best death um this i'm going to cheat as well i have a tie okay um the first one is sort of my sentimental, uh, sentimental award. Uh, I'd have to say the boss in Severance. Oh yeah. Um, just the the poignancy. He's uh, he's got himself into a situation where that's it. Yeah. And he is essentially in control of his own fate in some ways. And second of all, uh, you know, just knowing that, just that quiet knowing. It's that a, to me really yeah, and it's a redemptive uh, moment for a character who's been otherwise kind of a douche the yeah. entire movie, but you still feel for him in the end, right? And it is really the only chance for vengeance. Like there's there's no real retaliation in this movie. There's only it's staying alive. Yeah, 
that's it. If you're alive, you're winning. Uh, and then, uh, but of course, uh, of course, I have to give nods to to the Zombieland death. And anyone who's seen the movie, movie knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, that, again, that's just a classic. That's and sp- that's that's the kind of yeah. That's it's just perfect. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> just good stuff. All good right. stuff. All right. So uh, best. Uh, you just this is this is my own category just from watching these. Okay. And you're, you may hate me for it, but I'm gonna have to give. I'm gonna. I've got nominees for this and everything. I'm gonna have to give out an award for the best swagger. Best swagger. Best okay. swagger. The best hero who just comes in with guns blazing, who just takes control of the situation. The most cocky, confident character. Because there's a lot of them. Uh, we, we've got Frank Bannister, uh, Michael J. Fox in the Frighteners. Fairly I mean, unflappable just, given the situation he's exactly. in. Exactly. <laughs> he comes in there. He just he just owns the situation. That whole sequence where he says, I need to have an out-of-body experience right now, and then puts a pistol to his head. No, 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 no. You might not think this through. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just beautiful. Um, Tallahassee. Woody Harrelson, uh, Woody Harrelson in Zombieland. What a great role. What a fun role. And props to Woody Harrelson, because he also plays... Nerdy, nebbish characters. Like, look at the milk toast he played in Trans Siberian, yeah. and compare these two characters. Like, oh, just yeah. zero to ten, and he plays that whole range in between. So he's a, he's a talented actor in that sense. He can bring on the cool and turn it off. Um, Peter Venkman, of Bill course. Murray, in Ghostbusters. Yeah, he just uh, he just owns the the place and owns the, owns a. Uh, Oh shoot! Who's his protagonist there? The the, the 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 city official. Oh, Walter Peck. Walter Peck. Yeah, and just the whole thing. He just and he owns the demons. He yeah. he just whenever he encounters one, he just yep. Again, unfazable. Unfazable. Uh, even even at the end, I like when the the big marshmallow thing explodes. And if I'm spoiling Ghostbusters for you, <laughs> shame on you for not having watched Ghostbusters yeah. by now. But uh, you notice how everybody's covered, just covered with the marshmallow. Except for Bankman, he's just got a little bit of marshmallow in his hair. <laughs> just nothing bad ever touches him. I have to assume Bruce Campbell's going to get a nod for this. And Bruce Campbell, of course, as Ash. Because he's uh, pure swagger. He's, that's, he's the one who inspired this category. Uh, no, uh, no, uh, no nominees from the British film. No, not, not quite, um, no, really not the quite British sure. British don't um, do swagger. Just, uh, that's not quite... Uh, not quite sure. No, no. But in the they British people can't have swagger. But in in exchange, it's okay for them to say cunt. They can say cunt. It's a trade off. We can't. But and they can be unflappable. But it's just it's just not the same. <laughs> but all these all these all these four guys they they make Justin Bieber look like a little girl. And I would like to watch them make Justin have. Bieber look like a little girl. Hey, let's do what it. does that say about me? I don't know. I don't know either. The award uh, goes to, of course, Ash. Like he just <laughs> he's just like you want to learn how to. How to be cock of the walk? You just you just take a lesson from this man's playbook. He just yeah. he just it's owns true. It. He's <laughs> he has swagger that all others would love to emulate. He's pure essential swagger. He's just he comes in with full confidence, and so the award goes to Bruce Campbell as Ash in Army of Darkness. Best showdown. Best uh, best final confrontation with evil. Okay. And all, all of these, well, so well, yes, this exception being Severance, but I mean, you know, Ghostbusters, the Alzul, the Zombieland, uh, Playland. Uh, in Zombieland, he had to fight his greatest fear. He had to fight a zombie clown. Exactly. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, the uh, encroach on the Winchester, the uh, 
titular army of darkness, yes, encroaching the the castle. Uh, But the award uh, goes to the Frighteners. The final 20 minutes of of this movie, so intense, (laughs) so intense and so frightening. I'm seriously drawn into that and just genuinely frightening. There's a genuine sense of danger and menace that the two... two, uh, well, actually, there's several. There's so many antagonists in this, but yeah, I guess it's I funny. guess he's taken his. Yeah. We cannot overstate how crazy and bizarre and dark the the second half of the Frighteners really is, mm. and I can't overstate how zany and bizarre and Disney esque the first half is. It's really it's a bizarre mix, and and uh, maybe I'm a weirdo for liking it as much as I do, but uh, <laughs> somehow by some miracle it works. Well, both both are intense. Both are intense emotions, and that's maybe why. Yeah. And maybe that's why the whole horror. Comedy in general, it's those are two very primal emotions: fear and and laughter, yeah. fear and, and humor, both forms of, of some kind of release. So yeah, so the frighteners, genuine, genuine frightening and sinister climax, and I and I loved it. I loved that. Yeah. And there so we go. Those are the Jerry's. Those are the Jerry's. Thank you so much for doing horror comedy for me. It's just it just occurs to me as you were saying that that I think the reason that we love horror comedy so much and that they work so well is that. I think horror and and uh, humor are two emotions that you have a hard time suppressing when it happens to you. If somebody says something that makes you laugh, it's really hard not to laugh. And if something scares you, it's really hard not to jolt. Like, uh, the, in a way, uh, you're kind of in the hands of really good creative people here. And if they can do one of those two things well, good for them. And if they can do both, well, bravo. There and, you go. Uh, yeah. This was a good batch of movies. This was a great batch of movies. And uh, I'm sorry you have no prize this week, but if you choose, if you'd like, you would be welcome to return to Rank and Review. Yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything you'd like to uh, promote on the interweb or anything you'd like to say for people out there who would be interested to hear more about Kevin Stiller? I could just put a picture of your penis on the website or something. Oh, it's already there, isn't it? Let's. I'll let this episode speak for itself, right. and uh, I, I look forward to coming back. Thank you so much, Kevin. listening to episode 5 of Rank and Review. My name is Larry Parsons. I'm your host and random Canadian. We hope to get you back here again for our next episode. And in the meantime, if you'd like to write me, you can do so at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Let me know what I got right. Let me know what I got wrong. Just great to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again.